Greetings, 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 good people. Cat here. Thanks for tuning in to part two of our two-part series with Ida Kip from Kip Republic. Hopefully you were able to take in part one and you, you know, were able to kind of enjoy it and you're ready for the rest of the conversation. Now you're primed. All right. So for this part, we're going to jump back in with Ida directly. And she's going to talk us through the process of taking free hitty hitty for all from an idea to a phenomenal reality. I think you're really going to get a lot out of this episode. I'm really excited to share it with you there is still some adult language because we were just we was going we was having a good time so please keep that in mind there are also discussions of violence perpetuated against black people so this may not be suitable for all audiences i am rating this pumpkin 16 and with that let's get back into it free and haiti came out of Maybe it started as a joke that got out of hand to, you know, <laughs> you know, give out these free meals around town. Mm-hmm. But as we were building this, before we even knew it, we are finding out that the work that we're doing is very, very significant. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to use the word important, but I'm just saying significant first because we decided to go all the way back to 1863. Right. Because we could have gone to, you know, this law in the 90s, mm-hmm. or we could have said since this period mm-hmm. in the time span that, that I've been on this earth, we, right. could have, we could have reached to something more current, mm-hmm. you know. But we went all the way back to 1863, July 1st, and said actually everything that's happening right. is the foundation is there. Right. The foundation is in the proclamation mm-hmm. that was, you know, distributed the day before where the enslaved were actually told that they had to still prove their privilege to be free. Mm-hmm. You know? And so as we are creating Free Hirhiri and we're building this project to reach as many people to commemorate together what happened. Now we can start conversations about what actually did happen. Right. And how do we humanize the people who are part of that history mm-hmm. in a way that we can all agree that one, that shit wasn't cool. Right. And two, uh, that we have the responsibility as a society to do everything to make sure that we deal with the effects of that history. And I do want it to be noted that um, 1863 is when the proclamation was sort of written, laid out. But Mm -hmm. it takes 10 more years before those enslaved by the Dutch can actually be liberated. Absolutely. Yes. So the whole, you know, abolishment of the slave trade came with, oh, shit. (laughs) But if we do this... You know, what's the backup? Because right. we're about to lose some money. Right. You know, so there was also no humanization in that whole abolishment. The, the abolishment was just almost by force that, mm-hmm. you know, things were changing. But still, the oppressors still found a way to get away with having people still work on a plantation for 10 years. Mm-hmm. And that was only to benefit themselves. Right. You know, so the actual abolishment uh, is 1873. I think when I did research last year, not only were people forced to continue working, but after 1873, the Dutch actually pay those 
who now have had to free these enslaved people. Mm-hmm. They actually pay them for the loss of, mm-hmm. of, of that so-called mm-hmm. property. Yeah, but that was the whole extension of the 10 years, right. was to make sure that the uh, slave owners could have some compensation built up and that there could be like a fine transition of freedom. Right. You know, not an immediate radical transition of freedom. Right. You know. And when we think about Hitty Hitty, because I, I, I don't want people to miss the, the importance of the actual food. We know that food is life. We know that food, particularly as, as black folk around the world, food is is a way that we're able to commune and like we can solve arguments, we can do disagreements, we can celebrate, we mourn. Food is a big part of that. Can you explain what Hitty Hitty is? And also give us a sense of, because I don't think people really understand. The first year you did, what, 4,000 meals? Mm-hmm. And then last year when I came, it was like 9,000 and you had done, and you'd also set up a satellite in, in Rotterdam, I think, and it was 3,000 or something crazy like that. Yeah, so first time we did in Amsterdam, Friere the meal, uh, which I'll get, get into in a minute, but we uh, distributed 4,000 meals in all the boroughs of Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and then the second year, we distributed 16,000 meals, right. of which 11,000 in Amsterdam, My so bad. we dub- mm-hmm. more than doubled in Amsterdam, mm-hmm. and then Rotterdam, uh, Tilburg, Leeuwarden, and Rotterdam, Tilburg, Leeuwarden, Almere, four cities joined okay. us, and together we did 16,000 meals. Right. Yeah. And then this year, we went to 20,000 meals because we ended up with eight provinces mm-hmm. and a total of, I think we went from 12 locations in Amsterdam to I think about 20 locations mm-hmm. last year nationwide and this year 52 locations right. nationwide where you could pick up a free Hiri Hiri meal. Okay, so let's talk about the meal then we're going to yeah. get into some logistics yeah. questions. So Hiri Hiri is traditionally a Surinamese dish uh, that you'll uh, find at celebrations when there's a birthday, a special something to celebrate and of course also on Kitty Koti. The meal consists of earth fruits, which is cassava, sweet potato, then the green plantain, the yellow plantain, and saltfish. And then whoever makes it, there's variation where it also comes with an egg. Mm-hmm. Now, these individual e- ingredients uh, are part of the, or were the scraps that the enslaved were able to uh, get to eat. It was part of their diet. And um, particularly because they're high in carbs mm-hmm. and calories, so uh, very fulfilled, or let me say not fulfilled, but full meal or dish that the enslaved could work mm-hmm. long hours on the plantation. So I'm not sure or know that Hirhiri was called Hirhiri in those days, right. but uh, in Surinamese language, Hiri means whole. Mm-hmm. So... With a lot of uh, words in the language, we refer to things literally. Mm-hmm. And so the earth fruits are whole earth fruits. Mm-hmm. And that's why we call it Hiri Hiri. It's just basically uh, an interpretation of what the earth fruit is, mm-hmm. what the earth fruit looks like. Mm-hmm. So Hiri Hiri. Uh, and then also symbolically, that wholeness mm-hmm. also speaks to healing. Mm-hmm. And being full mm-hmm. in a spiritual sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that 
yeah i think it's it's such a simple dish this the dish represents how the enslaved were able to make something out of nothing because mm-hmm. today we considered hiri we consider hiri, hiri a delicacy right yeah now this year well actually let me take a step back because the logistics of passing out free hiri hiri is one thing but you actually have to make this food mm-hmm. and last year when i came, um, I got a chance to kind of tour the kitchen and meet some of the chefs that were involved. And it's a big process. And I don't think people realize how big a process it is. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, when you decide to do this, what does it take to make it? Because you're not a chef necessarily. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can burn. I mean, I've mm-hmm. had, you You know how to cook. But for, you know, initially 4,000 meals, like what does that look like? Um, so it's a lot, but we started the first year with friends who were chefs Mm -hmm. so they had the expertise and the experience to work with you know cooking you know mass amount of meals right and so most of the you know our experience in uh, creating but growing also Mm -hmm. the project is because of the expertise and the wellness and involvement of our chefs right so for me that's where that's the foundation when it comes to the food mm-hmm. you know and so the more uh, meals we have to make mm-hmm. uh, the more chefs also get on board right. to help out so that we could figure out the logistics mm-hmm. and also chefs are very good in getting the right uh, ingredients from the right places right and, you know, uh, they have the understanding of, of food security, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that everything is put together well and according to uh, food safety mm-hmm. uh, guidelines. And so, yeah, we, we resource that experiences and expertise for the project. Okay. This year you went, you increased significantly. 20,000 is no small number. Mm-hmm. Last year, I mean, I joke about this, but last year, Ida and I were gallivanting. Like, we took meals to, you know, there to the hug for, for the Congress people. We went to several locations to make, like, we were out in the streets and we were actually seeing it. This year, we were in the kitchen trying to make sure that everything was happening and making sure that, you know, all the, all the food could be made and, and delivered in time. Can you talk a little bit about this year and, like, now that we've done it, you mm-hmm. know, congratulations, because I still think it's an amazing... I'm always going to be in awe of what you all are doing because to to manage that kind of campaign and then to, and it's not like posters, like things you can print, like you literally have to, you know, I've been in a kitchen where you're steaming cassava and you're cutting plantain and, you know, it's, it's a whole process. Like what was it, what was this year like for you? Well, I had not been in the kitchen cooking the first two years, right. so I wanted to be in the kitchen mm-hmm. and be careful what you wish for <laughs> because I wanted Ooh, to cook child. and I cooked for two days, 48 hours straight with yes. two hours of sleep. Yes. So it was really great. It was so much fun. I like to be in the kitchen. I understand now better what it's like mm-hmm. for our volunteers who come on board and I understand now why why people sign up to volunteer and have this excitement. One, because you know you're part of something big. Mm-hmm. And also because we make sure that the space that we create uh, to cook these meals are, are safe spaces, fun mm-hmm. spaces, uh, warm spaces. Mm-hmm. And that you are, you know, you are being taken into account. Mm-hmm. So you're not just uh, one of the 30 people that's volunteering. 
I personally make sure I talk to all the volunteers. I make sure I thank everybody. I make sure I ask people why they're there mm-hmm. to have dialogue. Um, so I really, really enjoyed it. We encountered some logistical surprises. Um, we had some unforeseen uh, challenges. Yeah. But we were fortunate that we worked with a team, a very strong team and volunteers who really believed so much in what we were doing that they gave their all to make sure that we were able to just pull through and deliver, you know. And I think for me, I am trying to balance out deliver in a um, business sense, Mm -hmm. you know, as a professional who is part of a company that makes partnerships with different institutions, organizations, and Mm -hmm. people that I make sure that I deliver in that sense, Mm -hmm. but also feeling fulfilled after and deliver to the people who are coming to show up. Right. You know, so... I'm very proud of what we did, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I'm still working out how we reconcile delivering not 100%, the 100% that we wanted to. Right. Uh, and accepting that with growing mm-hmm. yes. comes, comes these, things. <clears throat> these things. Yeah, you I know? mean, listen, so a couple things. One... I didn't know, you know, when I come, I'm coming because you all are like, we want you here. And so I'm coming. Um, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do. Because I, as someone who produces, there's nothing worse than having to do this lift. And you got people who don't believe in the project or who don't understand it, who are just angrily lifting. So I always want to be, in, you know, in supporting you all. I'm like, where do you need me? What do you need me to do? I have to say... This is the most time I'd spent in the kitchen. And I think I was in three different kitchens. And there was something, I was telling this to someone. We are doing this to honor those who were enslaved and who were eventually given their, you know, their, their, their freedom. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. I don't even like what that sounds, but you know what we're saying. And these are people who, in a lot of ways, have very rote lives. You wake up, you do this, you do mm-hmm. this. On Monday, it's this. On Tuesday, it's this. And it's, this is what your life is. And there isn't like, oh, a summer break is coming. There isn't like, oh, it's snowing today, so we don't have to go outside. Oh, it's too hot. No, you are working at all times. And when you're preparing these meals, because there are specific ingredients and sizing is important, you are cutting and peeling a certain way. And it's a very rote way of doing things. And at some point, for me, it becomes meditative. Yes. It becomes this very meditative space. And what it did for me as, you know, as, as a volunteer was that it put me in a, in a deep sense of reverence for these people mm-hmm. and what they would have had to deal with and a deep sense of gratitude mm-hmm. because we were only doing this for three or four days or a week mm-hmm. or whatever. Whatever we were doing in this space of, of Hitty Hitty has an end date, July 1st, <laughs> you know, or July 2nd, we should say. So nothing that we're doing is forever. No. And so as I'm sitting here chopping plantain and peeling cassava, I'm having these moments of just deep reverence for the work that these folks would have had to do where there was no end in sight. There was mm-hmm. no foreseeable end. Whether they envisioned freedom or not, this was their lives. And so to me, that is one of the things that is so special about working with you all in this capacity. Yes. You know, and it's and I don't think it should be overlooked that 
you are working alongside people who are the creators of this event. So there's no hierarchy. The only person that counts is the chef. Everybody responds to the chef and the chef is there to make sure that things are done a certain way. And it was a beautiful, there were several beautiful moments um, where I was just like, we have to get it right. We have to make sure this looks good. You know, I was on some quality control time, like, nope, go back in, fill this in because I wanted to make sure that the product, the finished product, match the energy of what you all were bringing to the mm -hmm. space. So it was, for me, it was a very honorable experience, a humbling experience to be in that kitchen. And I remember um, Christy sending me a message saying, hey, I was like, you know, the kitchen is doing okay. If you want, you can come over here or you can go enjoy the day. And I sat in bed because I've been jet lagged since I got here. And I was like, I can't, if, if my girl's in the kitchen, I got to be in the kitchen because I can't, I don't feel right with you guys still in the kitchen and you tell me, you're telling me it's okay, but if you're still in the kitchen, then that means help is needed. And so it was a no brainer to me. I took care of the things I needed to take care of and I got like, let's go, we're going to go to the kitchen. And it felt good to be there and support and in solidarity. But I do want you to know as someone who's volunteering that there's something really powerful about just doing the work. Yeah. I think that's amazing, but I also think what you're saying is very, very important because I just spoke on, you know, how this all came about, but as we are getting on with it and it's growing and we are learning ourselves what it's more about and what else it's about. It's very important when you said we are doing this to honor our ancestors. Mm -hmm. And I think that in itself, I'm realizing that it's very important that you're able to translate that to the people mm -hmm. also. Yes. Because it's not just a production of free food. Right. It's just not that black or white. It's right. It's just not that simple. It is truly you know, something that is done with care, mm -hmm. something that is done with an understanding of, you know, uh, responsibility mm -hmm. for the history and the story. And it's also done because our ancestors were not visible, right. you know. And so for the people who were disappointed that they didn't get a free meal, mm -hmm. I just hope that they understand that you don't need a meal for the reference, the mm -hmm. understanding, or the, let me say, the commemoration of our people. Right. You know, I think just being there and being a part of it, that's the most important thing. Now, of course, you want to be a part of it and you want to taste the meal and all of that is very important. That's also why we do it. We want everybody to eat the meal. Right. But I, we also want people to not forget why we're creating these meals. Right. You know, and um, I think that Frihiri is in itself a project in process mm -hmm. and it's getting stronger and stronger every year and i'm just very uh humbled and grateful for all the people that have gotten on board this year mm -hmm. to be a part of this in whatever capacity being right. the being a photographer or being the one that's cutting the plantains it truly is a labor of for the people by the people you know and and i will say this because i'm very protective i think of you and ida and what you're doing this was a huge undertaking like doubling locations franchising it out like it's a huge huge undertaking and 
we have to account for, like when I think about last year, last year we were still like, I remember the day that I came in was the first day they were allowing people to travel to Amsterdam. I didn't mm. even know that. It just kind of turned out that way. This time? Last yeah. time. Oh, last time around. Yeah. Last time that that was the first day I hadn't even checked. I didn't know that, that people couldn't fly in and I flew in and somebody's like, oh, this is the first day. I was like, wow. So timing is really important. Mm -hmm. It is important for me that people understand that there are actual people behind the cutting and the mm -hmm. chopping. And when you get that beautiful presentation, because mm -hmm. it's a beautiful presentation, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. several people had, it took a lot of people to get you that one bowl. Yes. And so if you didn't get a bowl this year, for whatever reason, my question to everyone is, how can you ensure that, you know, how... Sitting in a line and being mad that you didn't get a free meal, as opposed to, hmm, I wonder if I should have volunteered. That's what I want to have happen. I want you to get more volunteers. I want more people to get on board who are not just there for, because like you're right, if the free meal is part of it, it's a symbol, but it's not the thing. Yeah, but you know, I mean, we're getting into production and I think that it's clear that the free Hiri is growing and that production is growing and that because it's growing, we want pe more people to become part of it, mm -hmm. right? And for me, the goal is for us to just say, this is what we did, mm -hmm. this is what we want, this is what we want to reach, and that's what we want to deliver. Mm -hmm. And even with that, not everybody might be able to get a bowl, might right. be able to get something. Right. What I want, what I would like for people to to consider is simply that, you know, how great it is that people are doing it, mm -hmm. that we are doing it, yeah. regardless, regardless if you're being part of it, regardless mm -hmm. if you've got a meal or not, mm -hmm. you know, that people can just look at it and say, wow, that's really amazing, mm -hmm. you know. And if you stood in line and, and, and didn't get a meal, then I'm sure that, you know, we that that's nothing new. We had that last year and people were just like, wow, this was so amazing. And um, next year I'm going to, you know, see how I can, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So, but I think it's all part of it. But I, th I do think that there is uh, maybe, uh, there's a way that maybe we can also bring people really into the process. I think the process so that, is that, amazing. That they yeah. can see what the process is like, yeah. you know, because Friariri also presents itself well put together. It does. You know, so the expectation is very high mm -hmm. as well, you know, and, and what happens behind the scene is also very well put together, but it does come with challenges and sometimes unforeseen challenges, but that's, that's good. That's all part of it. And so, it should, just, and I think we should allow for that. Absolutely, you know? we should absolutely, allow for that. yeah, absolutely. So you know, for me, it's a, I guess for me, it's just I'm just personally, mm -hmm. I'm very critical. Personally, I'm just very much like you know, I want to do my best and I right. want to deliver, and you know, but outside of that, I mean, come on, it's just it's you it's, know, it's, it's, it speaks to the conditioning I think that as black people, particularly mm -hmm. black women, that we have to struggle with. Um, you know, we want to do things. We want things to be perfect. We want things to be great. And I think a lot of people who produce do. But I do wonder sometimes if we have a little bit more of this pressure on ourselves because of how we think, you know, the way we've been conditioned um, that society views us. And so it's important, I think, for me as your friend and as someone who believes in you, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that the work is beautiful. Yeah. I really enjoyed my time in the kitchen like you know leaving i think at 4 a.m i was like okay i was like i'm gonna go to sleep i'm sure they're gonna go to sleep in an hour and then to find out that you guys were up all night 
Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, dang, you know, I felt bad. I was like, oh, maybe I could have done more. And so there's this there's this way that I think being on the back end, you, you can't help but get swept up in it because you know that this is being done from a place of reverence. For me, it was the deep reverence. And when I think about how you're growing, I wonder for you as a, as a, as a culturalist, as a, as a culture mm-hmm. creator, how do you manage the growth of what you're doing um, with you know, what we know happens to black things when they grow mm-hmm. and how, you know, they get pulled into the mainstream. Like you, you said, you know, you want it for everyone. You know, the idea initially stems from, we want everyone to experience this. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that understands that, but there's a part of me that's like, oh, but what happens if more people get involved? Like if more people get exposed to it, does it threaten, you know, the, um, the blackness in a way? Mm-hmm. Because we see like, Juneteenth, you know, was formalized as a federal holiday uh, last year. This year, people were doing craziness like making terrible ice cream, you know, and and putting it on plates. And I saw this really (laughs) tweet when somebody was like, I like Juneteenth better when it was just us. Mm -hmm. So do you feel like there's a balancing act that you all have to play between sort of this very important um, Surinamese, uh, you know, and a lot of the, like Aruba, Curacao, like, do you feel like you, there's a tightrope that you're walking as you expand and open it up to more people in terms of making sure the blackness of it doesn't get co-opted? I don't know if in the Netherlands people will be able to change the blackness of it. Okay. So, uh, Kitty Koti is something so pure and traditional from, mm-hmm. Surinam- from the Surinamese community. It would take a lot of time and a lot of doing to mm-hmm. unpack to, it. To mainstream it out to and like, turn it into out. something yeah. strange. Okay. Yeah. And so, we're not going to see like Hallmark Kitty Koti cards and things of that nature. Maybe. Okay. But <laughs> I think the question is can't we just uh, keep safe our cultural heritage? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think uh, it's such a, it's a lot to unpack yeah. because I feel like I didn't grow up with Kitty Koti in school mm-hmm. in the Netherlands and my daughter is now growing mm-hmm. up with Kitty Koti in school. Mm-hmm. But the, the the history behind that is the fact that, okay, Friar Hiri is responsible for that. But okay. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it, right? I'm going to go ahead and say that Free Haiti is causing a wave, mm-hmm. right? It's causing a wave that's making people aware. Mm-hmm. And it's also causing a wave that it is allowing others who have previously never done anything with this day or maybe as far as not even care to mm-hmm. uh, become aware mm-hmm. and also starting to make space right. to give meaning to this day, right? this commemoration and... So I think that where we are in the Netherlands, we're very young. Right. You know, we are not, you know, as far as we're just, I feel like the Netherlands is just getting to know what Kitty Koti really is. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if it's going to take a long time, but I think it'll take a minute before it's going to be commercialized. Well, but I mean, not even from Kitty Koti, but from the perspective of Free Hitty Hitty, yeah. You have some 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 good I mean you got some sponsors and some mm-hmm. partners some corporate mm-hmm. sponsors. Mm-hmm. And so I just wonder for you all 
Mm-hmm. Is there like some sort of internal dialogue that's already happened? Maybe between yeah. you and Ida about, okay, this is the line that we're not going to cross or yeah. um, this is how we preserve, you know, the, the, yes. the, the beauty of it. Absolutely. I mean, we were, we started year one, year two. It was really about numbers. Mm-hmm. It was really about, okay, let's get so as many people aware as possible. Right. So as many people that we can need to eat Hiri and then, you know, everybody needs to know about Hiri and the history and now it's there's a little bit more quality control. Now mm-hmm. it's more like we want to intentionally reach certain people mm-hmm. through certain partners. Gotcha. And we also want our partners to keep safe the tradition. Right. You know, so we ask of our partners, you know, uh, what else are you doing besides handing out the meal? Excellent. You okay. Know, and what are you building around that, be mm-hmm. it with your staff, mm-hmm. with your community, with mm-hmm. your members, mm-hmm. you know, and so... We started having that internal dialogue uh, late last year where we, you know, and I think this only had could, could have happened late last year because we were still in the pandemic right. where uh, a lot of practically we couldn't do much, mm-hmm. but that we also, you know, have or make our partners aware that this is not going to be your Black Lives Matter Instagram box on Instagram, Excellent. you know, mm-hmm. the black box on Instagram, right. you know. Because that's easy. That's mm-hmm. armchair activism. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing intentionally to really genuinely bring forward Friiri, Kitty Koti, the history, right. the, the, the celebration, the commemoration, 1873? Right. You know, how are you bringing the awareness and how are you packaging the awareness and mm-hmm. how are you reaching your audience? For that, so we're having those dialogues in our in our company, and mm-hmm. then we are trying to translate them to our partners. Right. And and it's okay if you're not able to participate, or if you don't agree, and because you don't agree, you can't participate. Mm. So um, have, you, have people have have you found that 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 has that happened? Not to, not, not saying name names. No, but, no, not okay. not yet. Okay. Not yet, but I'm get coming to the understanding that there may be a partner. No, no, I will say there was a partner okay. that made me feel like that. Okay. There was one partner who made me feel like they just wanted to get on real quick. Right. And um, I'm not saying that they didn't find it important, important but they didn't want to do the due diligence right. and take the necessary steps right. to do it with the care that it needed. Right. You know, and I understand their excitement and I understand that they wanted to be part of this. Mm-hmm. But I don't think we were able to translate or come to a space where we felt like uh, they were going to be able to execute that in a way that keeps safe what we're doing. Gotcha. So I'm happy for that experience, yeah. though, because that experience is teaching us when it's okay to say no. Excellent. And you I think know? that's the important piece of it. And I think when I think about sort of culture people who, you know, they have their finger on a pulse of something and it starts to blow up, that saying no piece gets really tricky. And I think of particular brands that I'm not going to necessarily name where I feel like you can tell when they when they no longer have that internal dialogue and they're right. just taking the money. Right. And what it does for the cultural meter of what they're creating, it, it, it affects it. it, it the authenticity feels like it's, it's, drained, it's drained out of it. Absolutely. And also what's happening is that some partners... Our, are pushing us into the narrative that we are doing this mm-hmm. so that July 1st becomes a national holiday. Okay. And others are pushing us 
into the narrative that we as an organization or with Free Yehiri want an official apology from the government for mm -hmm. the transatlantic slave trade. Mm -hmm. Now, we as an organization do not have a political agenda okay. necessarily. If we reach those things, we will support those things. Mm -hmm. But our work is really bringing in the community and making the community aware because we believe that if the community is aware, the community will do the job. Mm -hmm. I don't have to go to Den Haag, to the Senate, and stand there with a, a cardboard protesting or you know shouting that you know we need an apology. I don't have to do that because right. what my strength is that I can reach people. You know, and the people will do that eventually. Right. So what happens with these organizations, what I've noticed is that, that they will also kind of side off and start their own campaigns. Right. You know, and another internal dialogue is, you know, what if there's a partner who is pushing that narrative or pushing right. a political agenda right. and wants to tag Free and Heary onto it. Right. You know, so that they can, you know, reach more people. Right. So, you know, we are thinking about these things and we are having these conversations. You know, we want to stay away from the government because we believe in for the people, by the people. Mm -hmm. That's also the business model that, you know, this is how we work in Cap Republic. Right. So I feel like I'm personally, I'm, I'm never scared for people to to uh, commercialize something I do or Ira does mm -hmm. or because we really foundationally we don't make any concessions right you know uh, also we don't we don't experience our success or try for success within whiteness or white spaces mm -hmm. or you know whatever supremacist ids there are right so so for us you know nothing that we do we're never reaching for anything you know in regards to we don't measure our success from how how companies or uh, corporates or just institutions mm -hmm. view us, right. so we do. We just we like to do things our way. Right outside of free and that's how we work. Right, you know. And so when we do, when we produce free and hitty, you know, it's 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 very important for us to keep it the way we like to keep it. And you're very collaborative. I remember you. Um, we went to Almeria together, and you were kind of giving me some of the background on how Almeria got pulled into it. And how you, I mean, I loved the story about how you kind of, you knew who the gatekeeper was there. Mm -hmm. And so you used your influence to make sure that she was the one yes. sort of being the, the, yes. the face of that. And I, and I think because of the way you operate in that way, I, I, I'm, I'm fully, I, I don't think this will ever happen with you all. But I think it's a question that's worth asking because I always want, when I do these podcasts, for people to have takeaways. And I think it's important for people to understand that as a black culturalist, as someone who deals in blackness, you can actually be successful without being co-opted. There's a way to do yes. it. It just means that sometimes you got to say no to things. And, and also, we've also moved into a space where nobody can offer us anything that's going to be enough to say we're not going to keep safe our ancestors. Right. There's no price. There's no, no price. Right. There's no partnership. Mm -hmm. There's nothing that's going to keep safe our, you know, honoring our ancestors, right. you know, so, and that's what we're doing with this work. So that's, you know, yeah. So what's next after you rest? <laughs> because Lord knows yeah. as, as someone who's been watching you and Ida mm -hmm. go for the last 10 days, yeah. you all need a proper rest. Like, what do you, what do you think about 
Are you thinking about next year already or are you just kind of... I was already thinking about next year for sure. (laughs) Right. Um, I think next year already started. Mm -hmm. I would like, at least for Free Hiri, I would like to strengthen my team uh, this year Mm -hmm. and to build the new project for next year, this year. Yeah. I will also start working on a food symposium, Mm. storytelling through food. Yeah. And um, Ira and I, were going to be working on Ira's new play. Yeah. Um, and we're going to be doing some research for that. So we're going to Suriname. And we have really a lot. We have a lot of very interesting, beautiful, and talented creatives in our network, in our circle. And we want to talk to them and start creating some new ideas with uh, the cre- our peers, our creative peers. Mm-hmm. So we, I think we'll probably create like a timeline for like the next two years. Yeah. And Free Riri will definitely be on there. Uh, what I do think for Free Riri in the future, what I already know from the having now had the three-year experience, yeah. I think Free Riri is really going to, by us, be given to the country. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to look for a way to make sure that everybody can create their own free Hiri event. And um, we'll still be involved and we'll still make sure that the originality and the authenticity of the project is being produced. Right. But in a, in a, on the producing side, I think Kipper Public is going to move to um, creating a model where people can actively produce more themselves. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about... Uh, a lot of ideas that we have and a lot of new things that we want to create, mm-hmm. new projects. Right. But uh, in general, what I'm very excited about into the future for Kipper Public is that we are strengthening our, our signature mm-hmm. and what we stand for. And right. I think that everything that we do, uh, all the projects that we produce, We'll have a Kipper Public stamp on it. Absolutely. So that's going to be the work, and and I'm very proud of the stamp that we're creating. Be it being it our our uh, professional abilities and talents and our creative minds. Mm-hmm. You know, I really feel like we we are at a place now where we know who we are, we know what we're doing, and we want to, we know where we want to go. I love it. Yeah. So as always, I end the episodes with. Um, Takeaway, if you had to do three takeaways from this year's Free Hitty Hitty, um, and takeaways are basically um, sort of words of wisdom, ideas, uh, you know, things that people can put in their toolkit. Yes. What would those three things be? For one, it's very, very important to surround yourself with the right people. Mm-hmm. And the right people can mean different things. For me, the right people often means that the people understand the value of your work that the people have the professional capacity mm-hmm. of the work that you're doing. Uh, it's okay if you don't want to work with juniors. It's okay if you <laughs> if you want to work only on an executive level. For mm-hmm. me personally, that works best. Mm-hmm. Two is treat everybody who works for you, uh, your volunteers to, you know, your executive, whatever. Treat everybody equal, the same and with respect. Mm-hmm. Love on all the people who work for you. Make sure that everybody who works for you feels seen. Mm -hmm. And three, don't lose yourself in the process. Mm -hmm. Really stay true to yourself, who you are. And uh, take also take care of yourself through the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those three things. All right. 
you heard it here. Um, Ida, it's always a pleasure to sit with you. Um, we always have the best conversations. Thank you so much for taking time out of that very busy schedule because I know there was somewhere else you need to be soon. Um, but yeah, we are, you know, LSP loves everything the Kips do. So whatever you need us, you know, we're going to be here. Follow us on Instagram, mm -hmm. Kip Republic. <laughs> we'll put <laughs> all that. Yeah. for all. Free hitty for all. And we'll also put all of that information in the description box, along with um, links to all the information that you that is that is free hitty hitty and Kip Republic. And with that, we are out because this culture ain't gonna make itself. So take care, everyone. Thank you for listening. It means a lot to me. Just wanted to let you know that Cat's Corner, the podcast, is produced by Lil Sosa Productions and edited by Aileen Andrada of Your Pod. But if you'd like to follow us, you can check me out at Cat's Corner Co., K-A-T-S-K-O-R-N-E-R-C-O, -E on all platforms, and LSP underscore on the go. Tune in next time for another edition. As always, we appreciate your listen. Don't forget to like and subscribe so that you can be updated as new podcasts come in. Take care. Oh.